Plotner coming to you live on January the 5th, 2024. Review of our Denver Bull lineup. Today we're being joined by Jared McRae of West Virginia and Taylor Farr of Indiana that raised the Bulls Tulane and Cool Kids Club. Jared McRae, tell the audience about your operation. Um, well, we're out of Bridgeport, West Virginia, and we run uh, about 80 mama cows and flush few donors yeah i help uh i'm taylor farr from royal center indiana where we operate far stock farms with my brother and my dad and our whole family raise show cattle and show pigs try to make marketable show steers and show heifers a few heifers but uh try to make them marketable to go across the country uh also married my wife Kristen and my kids scarlet and stetson the cow that these bulls are out of is called dime uh could you just Tell the story on how she came to be partners on the on the cow and uh, just kind of the background. Yep, yep. I'll give a little background. Cow goes back to uh, the dime cow. She'd be a business done right out of the boppy cow. Boppy would have been an MAB on Bearcat Sister. Uh, how boppy came about, which would be the grandmother of the Bull Kool-Aid and Cool Kids Club that are coming there, that cow... We sold a flush on Bearcat Sister in the sale. Tim Traddles in Michigan bought that flush and decided to do her MAB. That'd be the first time that cow had ever been done crossbred. He did it. We split the embryos after so many eggs. We had a few, and he had a few, and he had this crazy recip. And he said, hey, let's sell this cow. Uh, I want to get rid of her. She's taking my calves. So I ended up buying that cow, that recip cow, off of Tim Traddles, and then she had Boppy. Well, then she had Boppy for a few years, and sent a picture to Brandon Horn and I said hey what's this cow work on she's a TH carrier and he said absolutely do her to BDR so we did her to BDR the rest is history they've all been very good I mean we've had dime bejeweled I've got five donor cows uh that'd be full sieves the dime there at the farm uh we've had the steer that was reserve grand at the Iowa State Fair most recently the reserve grand steer at the Hoosier Beef Congress a steer that wins the Hutchinson County Livestock Show. Another brother was champion Shorthorn Plus at the 2020 Indiana State Fair. It was all really, really good. And then I think Jared asked me one time, I, Jared, do you remember for sure you asked me if you wanted to own partnership on that cow? Yeah, I was, and, uh, uh, I was out there looking at I was out there looking at calves, and I saw her in the barn. I, I believe she was with Bejeweled, right? They're the same age. Yep, and, uh, yep. I said, do you want to sell that one? And he said, no way. <laughs> and uh, a few months later, um, he sent me a text to ask me if I wanted in in on her. And uh, I guess the rest is history. But she's been great. Yeah, she has. And this would be, this is kind of rolling into her first set of embryo calves. Really would have been those two bulls that are going to be in display in Denver. I'd never been to Jared's place before uh, last spring. And it was my first week on the road last year. Uh, could you tell that I liked the little blue bull calf last spring, Jared? Well, it's kind of surpri uh, a surprise. The vet came and Frank checked, Frank checked all the recips and uh, said that one was bull bred. And uh, so we didn't even have that cow in the barn. And the neighbor called and was like, hey, you got a cow having a calf? And I was like, no way. Can't be. And uh, I drove out there and sure enough he was up and sucking and when i got up to him i thought my god look at this thing and that uh those boppy calves are like that they just as soon as they hit the ground they continue to just be great 
like I say, my first week on the road last spring. I've never been there before, but dang, I knew pretty quick I was going to try to buy them. Dang sure was exciting to see that one in person. And then a few weeks later, the story would be just a little bit different on the far uh, raised one. Uh, I went and looked, and I don't I don't know if this is the way you would describe it, Taylor or Jared, but when you go to FARS, you're, you just, they've got a, a national name brand, if you will. They were just a little bit tougher to buy a bull calf off of, uh, if you know <laughs> what I mean. And uh, for one reason or another, I didn't, wasn't smart enough to lock him up this spring. But I was thinking about him all spring and summer. I lost a little bit of sleep, wishing I would have bought him because I didn't know if he'd be available if and when I went back. So I finally got on the road in early September and uh, went out to look at some calves in Ohio and Indiana. And that was the first place that I stopped at. And I got there late in the evening. And this is kind of a funny story. Uh, what time do you suppose it was, Taylor? Was it? 11? It was nine. It was probably 10 o'clock by the time you end up getting there. Pit dark would be the uh, most important thing of this yes. story. And I probably didn't give you enough or any notice that I was coming and uh that little orange bull calf was covered in mud or slop or manure or he looked like he'd been running around in the far stock farms pig pig pen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that bull had fell down in the mud pile the day before when he was out in the pasture and I thought, man, that bull the only mud he didn't have was maybe on the top of his head. And uh, he told me you're coming, and I thought, well, he's either going to like them or he's not, and there's no – I'm not going to get them all ready anyways. And threw them out at fifth black. There's one big 300-watt bulb kind of glaring on him, and he's covering mud. And I said, man, he's, he looks really good. And, I mean, he was mud matted down all of his hair, legs and all. <laughs> and uh, he said, yeah. Yep, that definitely. If he looks this good in the mud, I gotta have this bull. So we made a deal. And now he's headed to Denver. I bet he won't be covering the mud when he gets on display next week. <laughs> yeah, I knew the answer pretty much. If he was healthy and had done well over the summer, and of course he did, uh, gonna try to buy him. You weren't, you weren't just very easy to get along with the second time either. So. Anyways, I got to give y'all credit. You've earned the reputation, and you can be just a little prouder of your animals whenever you got your wheels rolling so fast. And I do appreciate you selling me the bull, and of course, Jared, I appreciate you selling me the bull as well. And you guys are hooked in, both of you still. So, looking forward to what these animals can do. And for the audience that doesn't know as much about uh, Far Stock Farm, could you give a, a brief overview of your dad, Tom's uh, history, or anything that you wanted to offer about the operation as far as not just being a show cattle operation, but also some very nice show hogs as well. Yep. My dad started this back, uh, well, my grandpa, Bill and Betty Farr started it back in 1947. <clears throat> and then my dad and my uncle came in their seventies and kind of really started extensively using AI and embryo transplant back in the early seventies with Dr. Hannon. And then, uh, you know, he's continued to kind of be an outlier in terms of the way he likes his livestock, especially in terms of the short, shorthorn breed relative to a majority of the shorthorn breeders out there. And 
you know, <clears throat> he was able to raise this sire of both these bulls, which is perfection. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that think when perfection came out or any kind of shorthorn bull that they'd never breed a yellow or a gray or a black or a red or any kind of crossbred cow shorthorn. There's just no way they wouldn't be stout enough. They wouldn't be good enough. And then the kind of the times have changed, especially on this bull perfection. You start seeing this bull running across the gauntlet, breeding any kind of dirty cow out there in the country, just whether what color they are. And that's when I talked to Jared about dime, you know, she's TH free, perfection's TH free. But I said, man, I think it'll really work because his depth and his soundness and his squareness and his hair, bone and hair. And then that dime cow, I mean, she's one of the most unique cows when anybody comes to our place. And just in terms of look and bone and foot size, she's incredible. And then she's got hairs hanging off her ear about four inches. And people are like, man, she, she's like triple dirty or what is she? And I say she's TH free. And, and they take a double take and they say, there's no way. And I said, yeah, it's it's way. But, but yeah, it's going back to my dad. I kind of jumped forward there a little bit. But he he's kind of the main reason. And he started everything there. Uh, you know, he does a lot of the day-to-day stuff, but he also gives us some advice on, you know, what we can do, but he lets my brother and I and everyone kind of do our own thing in terms of what we breed, but, uh, you know, we wouldn't be able to do what we do without what he kind of started. Um, there's no doubt about that. So, Jared, can you give, can you give a little background on how you got your start? And, uh, I guess, uh, would the dime cow be your first big kind of donor type cow or you had a, a pretty good one in the last few years she's been the best one that's hit our our place um but uh so i kind of got a different start i'm a, a first generation farmer i graduated high school um bought 10 cows a tractor and a brush hog and, um, took off down a road i really didn't have any i didn't know anything about then uh got married and a few years later and got a couple kids that helped me um, with the day-to-day stuff, but they're still in school. Um, but I, I had an aunt and uncle in Ohio that showed dairy cows, and that's kind of where I got my love for showing and, and raising these things. And um, always went to the Roundup every year. Um, my parents didn't have a whole lot of money, um, so we just bought like a feeder calf, and that's what I showed and sold. And I went out to Tom's probably probably ten years ago, ten or eleven years ago, and bought a bull. Power line. And, uh, well, yeah, and then, then after that, I bought uh, half interest in the power line. We had him as well. Um, I bought several cows out there. Um, they've all done really well. And uh, I, I tell you, hats off to them. I, when I go out there, I go to learn. I mean, I'm not there very long when we swing in to see what they got, but it's always, you know, Tom is super knowledgeable and, and uh, a lot of the things that he does out there i've kind of tried to implement back here and and kind of model some stuff off the way they do things and it's uh it's always worked well so um folks outside your area how do you go year to year say you want to buy a calf off of fars or mccray could you give your cell phone number and then i think fars obviously have some live production sales and jared you can let folks know if you have a private treaty or or an auction or a sale in the fall so yeah, we we just completed our 50th uh, club calf sale there in September, and then our cow sale in, in November. So 
that's that's where we market a majority of our cattle and our offspring um kind of in this spring crop we try to market those in that that's usually about the second saturday in september we'll have a live sale we'll offer 45 steers 25 heifers and then in november about a week or so before thanksgiving we'll try to offer 40 some cow bred cows 15 some pregnancies and some embryos some genetic lots in that aspect uh bulls we kind of offer year round um like matt said we if we're keeping them bulls we we got a lot of confidence in them that they're going to kind of go out and be be what they're going to be so uh but we we do keep some bulls and we keep them sell them year round and then kind of our summer calves that we've got right now we kind of sell those private treaty um they're kind of a first come first served uh we'll get a good crop of those as well and my number is five seven four seven two seven five six one zero but you can call any of us uh and kind of discuss things so i appreciate it what about if you're in the market for a show how when, when do you sell them deals <laughs> show pigs uh we're farrowing right now. We've been farrowing. We've got some wean. We'll sell some of those online here probably the 1st of February. We'll go to a few consignment sales, and then we will have a live sale, uh, which is pretty rare for a farm sale to happen on pigs anymore. Uh, well, and maybe calves too, but uh, it's going to be March 9th, and I'll sell 100 of them there in that farm sale. And uh, We've moved up a total of one month from when – well, probably a month and a half from when I was a young boy till now, which it's not seemed like that long, but 20 some years we've moved six weeks earlier selling the same age pigs. <laughs> it's a uh, changing of the times. There's no doubt about it. How about you, Jared? We, uh, we will sell some private treaty mostly. Um, we'll try to go to the livestock roundup uh, a few years off there. Um, but, uh, hopefully this fall we'll be back down there marketing some calves and, uh, but anybody, anybody's welcome to come anytime. My phone yeah. number is uh, 304-838-5650. And, uh, Jared, you told me it was your first time coming to Denver. Will you be able to uh, make the show? Taylor, are you guys busy? Taking care of I'm going to try to. We've got a big slug of recips due January 13th, but I'm going to try to make it out at least on Friday. Totally understand. Yep. Nothing like flying into Denver to the uh, National Western and seeing the big mountains in the background we're sure excited that uh it's kind of getting back to normal being a, a big event with uh multi-breeders uh mentioned in the podcast yesterday that we've had a lot of interest on our group and so i'll shout them out again in case people didn't listen to the one yesterday there's some really good things coming from nelson england in illinois and wade rogers from iowa is, is uh bringing a bull or two this year and darn sure Looking forward to the atmosphere that we had pre-2020. Uh, there's oh, just yeah. simply nothing like Denver in terms of atmosphere. And being shoulder to shoulder for several hours every Friday and Saturday for 20 years is something that is just, there's nothing else like it in, the, in this show cattle industry. And uh, we look forward to Denver getting back to normal now that uh, some of that COVID craziness has went away. Once again, thank you guys for selling me the bulls. and. Uh, can't wait to see you and darn sure looking forward to showing the public oh one thing that i would mention the bull, bull the blue bull cool kids club uh tested triple clean thph and ds free and then the uh, orange bull kool-aid tested ds carrier but th and pha free of course because of the mating uh taylor could you give uh the audience a quick review i think you have i mean i, I generally ask you about ds almost every time i come to your farm in the spring 
could you give the audience a quick rundown on BS and how to breed around it and uh, just the, the far stock farm, uh, how they manage the, the DS gene? Well, I, I don't know if I can be short about it, but I'll, I'll try to be as quick as I can about it. Obviously, we've we've used a lot of bulls, a lot of club calf bulls that are in this industry that are used, I would say, almost exclusively do carry DS. Uh, but obviously, if you absolutely don't want any kind of chance to do it, you have to have a DS-free cow. Um, there'd be zero chance, but there is some correlation with being a PHA carrier and a DS carrier uh, into upping your percentages into that aspect goes. But if you're breeding DS carrier to DS carrier or an unknown on top of your cow, um, which, you know, it is a relatively new testing that they've came out with DS here in the last 10 years. So some cows may not have been done, but, uh, I would say, you know, those DS carrier, DS carrier, there is certain bulls that will have a less chance of having a DS affected calf. And then when you get into the DS homozygous cattle, which we have had some, and we've used some bulls that are out in this industry that have it as well, um, you maybe increase your chances of having an affected calf. But I would say, you know, we've done a lot of DS homozygous to DS homozygous, and we've had no affected calves in that aspect, which kind of makes it a little bit interesting when you look at uh, mathematical or a chart and you say there's just no way. Um, but we can kind of show you and prove you prove to you the matings that we've done that are that that are okay in that. But these two bulls with Cool Kids Club, if you've got a chance or you've got uh, you know a cow that you don't know but say you like her there's probably a good chance she's a ds carrier so you could use that bull and you would have a safe bet whether you're selling embryos to people and having no affected calves or if you're you know you're a smaller operation and you need you need to have that that uh reassurance of not having kind of a an affected calf, but I will tell you the DS, you need to kind of incorporate it because it still doesn't matter if you have a calf that's not any good that you can't sell because you're scared to use DS uh, or you're, you're, you're questioning yourself in that aspect because I've been told a lot of times and my dad's told me, you know, you can't sell something that's not wanted or not very good to anybody besides the sale barn. So, you need to have something that's good. So you need to kind of take that chance and take that risk that, you know, make the next great one because those are what kind of defines you and what kind of makes the most money. And those are what kind of people want. So I, I couldn't agree that. more. Uh, you got a very, very hard, I would say impossible, uh, especially yep. if you're anywhere near the, the far or McCray level to try and hit home runs with uh, winning a breed champion at Fort Worth or, Trying to win the show at the Indiana State Fair. Uh, if you're not uh, got a li little bit of that DS, goes a long way in terms of adding some foot size. I'll guarantee you that. And uh, just making the cattle good past the foot size, yep. I guess. So uh, <laughs> something that we generally you have to uh, deal with or work around and keep it in mind. But when you're swinging for the fences, um, you know you generally have to have DS or TH on one side of the pedigree or the other. And uh, just something to keep in mind. So, 
I appreciate it, guys. Is there anything else you'd like to mention before we wrap this deal up? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Jared. Thanks for getting on here, guys, and we'll see everybody at dinner. Yeah, looking forward to seeing what the Dime Donor does uh, in your programs in the coming years, and uh, we're excited to show off these bulls and see what they can do in the uh, on that side of the market. So thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you. Uh, bull display is next Friday and Saturday. It will be the main days from 11 to 3. Thanks sure tune in and uh, take a look, and can't wait to see what the public thinks. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. <clears throat> yep. See ya. Bye.